This is Zion Hebraic Congregation with me, Luke Tanner. This week's Shabbat message is by myself from the book of Ezekiel, chapters 43 and 44. It is entitled, God's House. You can check out all of our Shabbat messages on our website, zionhebraiccongregation.com. There you will find all of our archived Shabbat messages, the message notes that I add into each uh, message, and also you can read my dad's weekly essays that he puts up. You can subscribe to those if you put your email in the little email subscribe box. Also, we send out updates such as like holiday festival dates, things like that. And also, um, feel free to subscribe to uh, our, our Shabbat messages if you want on whatever your podcast platform provider is. And as always, our music is by my buddy Evan Shaw. You can find him at his website, evanshawmusic.com. Enjoy. Hey, mighty warriors arise, yeah. Okay, Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Thank you for joining us here today. And uh, let's pray, and then we're gonna we're gonna be in Ezekiel, and maybe a little bit of Daniel today. So let's pray. Heavenly Father God, thank you for Shabbat. Thank you for this day to be together and to study and learn from your Word. I just pray that you would work in our hearts and our lives to teach us what you would have us to learn from your word, to uh, ingrain it in our hearts and our minds, and go out, live it, and do it. In Yeshua's name I pray. Amen. Um, so we're going to be in, in Ezekiel 43 and 44, and, and, and like I said, probably a little bit in, um, probably a little bit in Daniel. Okay, that's a little better. So, this is the end of Ezekiel, and it's where God is talking to Ezekiel and, and, and giving him information about uh, the building of, of the temple. Uh, whatever number temple you think that might be, but um, I believe it to be the final temple that is built. And, uh, and but he says some things about, about the people in relation, and, and the leadership, specifically the priests and the Levites, in relation to the building of this temple and their function in it, and the state of the people kind of before and leading up to it. And so I want to I want to kind of look at that and then draw in a comparison, you know, okay, cool. What do we do about all this in our own lives type of thing cuz it's it's fine. I think what's part of the problem what's happened in the messianic movement specifically, we've got really drawn into teaching and facts and 
cool, interesting tidbits and tantalizing new theories on things that are that are in the Bible, but uh, we've we've strayed away from much of the heart and the weightier issues, faith, justice, and mercy, i.e., what's going on on the inside of people's hearts and minds, which then uh, expresses how or influences and directly affects how we live our lives and what we bring into our lives and what we do with them. And so, as you, I'm sure you all listened to my message two weeks ago that I recorded, uh, I talked a lot about idolatry and how I believe idolatry is what's, we are rife with idolatry in, in, in the believing community and I believe it's largely taking place with the electronic devices, computers, cell phones, everything else in our lives and we have just replaced little wooden or stone objects of antiquity which were the work of men's hands that expressed the thoughts and represented and stood for as icons of, of the wicked thoughts and the ideals and the emotions and the thrust of their own hearts and lives. And they were used by the wicked to entangle the righteous and to ensnare them. And so whenever Israel mingled amongst the heathen, they slowly adopted the gods of the heathen and the images of the heathen that they used to worship their gods, which is no different from today because we, we uh, as, as uh, the uh, one writer that I've been reading lately said in one of his books, we have joined in the, cult, uh, uh, the church of Google. And, uh, and we have, we, we have intermingled ourselves within the gods of the, of, of the world today. And it's only getting more and more tight. And I believe as the end times come, it's going to get, I believe that's what is, the beast system is going to be in the image of the beast specifically is going to be is this, this technological information system. Um, and it's becoming harder and harder to uh, separate ourselves from. Now, I'm not saying go smash your computer and throw your cell phone away immediately. I still, as you're listening to this, own a cell phone and we have a computer. But if I, my, my whole goal in a lot of this is if we can, if I can get our people to start looking at their own lives as I've more recently just kind of stumbled into this and looked at my own lives because of things that unbelievers have written and spoken, <laughs> and uh, principally also Brad Scott in his series, uh, The Image of the Beast. Uh, looking at my own life and realizing, holy cow, I have intermingled every facet of my life with these things that pull me away from the Word of God and, and more importantly, thinking like the Word of God wants us to think. And we have... We are shaping our minds and, 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 and why I believe this is so dangerous right now is also the minds of our young people to think digitally instead of analog and to think, to think worldly instead of biblically based because God has built the meaning of all things that he teaches us in the natural world that you can touch and see with your hands, whereas the, 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 the world and the, uh, the system of the world and the devil is a digital system which you cannot see. It's made uh, with man's hands so that they can 
uh, as they wanted to at the Tower of Babel, be like gods and go up unto God. So all that's kind of introduction. So as we're going to read about the measurements and, and, and some of the stuff about, we're not going to get into the details of the, the house, but I want us to keep in mind that God's house and the tabernacle is a representation of the function of God himself that happens in the heavenlies. And we are that house, as he tells us. We are stones being built up into the house of God, something and a people that he can dwell in and amongst. And so there's a process to it all. There's a reason to it all. None of it is ceremonial and irrelevant. And we play an intricate part in it. And God can only dwell in holiness. And that's why he has to get the people to get the idols out of their lives and purify for himself a people, which in large part, unfortunately, he has to do through persecution uh, and punishment. So, all right. Uh, and what's interesting to me is Ezekiel has shown this, well, I believe, from what I understand, while well, he's in Babylon and God comes to him and, and, and speaks to him. So, uh, so we're going to read, um, we're going to read 48... Uh, chapter 43, 1 through 11 or 12. And, um, we'll, and then we'll, we'll kind of go from there. All right, 43. Afterward, he brought me into the gate, even under the gate that looks towards the east. This is the temple that, that God is showing Ezekiel. And behold, the glory of God of Israel came from the way of the east, and his voice was like the noise of many waters, and the earth shined with his glory. And it was according to the appearance of the vision which I saw, even according to the vision that I saw when I came to destroy the city. And the visions were like the visions that I saw by the river Chabar, and I fell on my face. And the glory of Yehovah came into the house by the way of the gate, whose prospect is towards the east. So the Spirit took me up and brought me into the inner court. And behold, the glory of Yehovah filled the house. And I heard him speaking to me out of the house, and the man stood by me. And he said unto me, Son of man, the place of my throne and the place of the soles of my feet where I will dwell in the midst of the children of Israel forever and my holy name shall the house of Israel no more defile. Neither they nor their kings by their whoredom nor by their carcasses of their kings in their high places. In their setting up of their household by my thresholds and their posts by my post and the wall between me and them, they have defiled my holy name by their abominations that they have committed. Wherefore, I have consumed them in mine anger. Now let them put away their whoredom and the carcasses of their kings far from me, and I will dwell in the midst of them forever. Thou son of man, show the house to the house of Israel that they may be ashamed of their iniquities. And let them measure the pattern. And if they be ashamed of all that they have done, show them the form of the house, and the fashion thereof, and the going out thereof, and the coming in thereof, and all the forms thereof, and all the ordinance thereof, and all the forms thereof, and all the laws thereof, and write it in their sight, that they may keep the whole form thereof, and all the ordinance thereof, and do them. This is the law of the house. Upon the top of the mountain, the whole limit thereof round about shall be most holy. Behold, this is a law of, this is the law of the house. All right, so we'll stop there. So what I want us to see here is God in, uh, in 48, or 43 verse 8, so he's chastising Israel for building their own house. I want you to see that. Uh, and so it says, in setting up their household by my thresholds, 
and their post by my posts. And the wall between me and them, they have defiled my holy name by their abomination. So Israel historically, figuratively and literally, because, I, again, I want you to understand, like, so God's temple is built as, not as an image of God, but is to, is to represent the function of what God does in the heavens and what he does also on earth. Remember the, thy will be done on earth on earth as it is in heaven, so that he can dwell in and amongst his people because he needs a, a pure place to dwell. He can't dwell in and amongst sin. But what happened is the people of Israel, instead of, and it's been from the beginning, right? From the Garden of Eden to the Golden Calf, instead of doing as God has instructed them in operating according to his house and their rules, they fabricate their own structure right in and alongside and or completely separate from what God has told them to do. But what I want them to understand, what we need to see here is uh, their threshold by my threshold and their post by my post and the wall between me and them. So they create their own threshold, but right next to God's threshold and their own post, they're right next to God's post. So they're, they're building their own ways of worship right alongside the worship of God. And I think we all kind of do to some degree the same thing in our own in our own lives and I know I do like I kind of talked about before it's like I'm I'm serving God and I'm reading uh and I'm studying God's word but I'm actually reading a whole ton of different commentaries and I'm going down the rabbit trails of single words. And none of that's all bad in and of itself, but our thinking and our concepts and the way we perceive reality of life around us gets altered just a little bit. Because if we don't immerse ourselves in, a, in an immersive experience in God's word, just us, the word and his spirit, the, the line of, of connection gets interrupted. And so I think that's why it's so men of old, like like uh, Mueller, right? Who would get up early, dunk his head in the water, and then study his Bible, and he stopped reading commentaries. Because we need that communication. You know, when I talk to my wife and to have a relationship with someone, how do you do that? If, if you're getting interrupted all the time with the kids, can you have any sort of engaged, deep conversation? You can't. And it's the same thing between us and God. And what I'm trying to get us to understand is the digital world is a world of, as, as the book I'm reading, alienation. It's a world of separation, interruption, fractured, simple, short, staccato thought with little to no memory involved. And whereas the Word of God is completely the opposite. It was his cycles and what he designed to teach us and how to live is ingrained in patterns of behavior of life. That's why he talks about trees and houses and uh, these tactile experiences and physical things in, in his house. And so we need to, be, need to be about the business of building the house of God, which is us, our people, after the instructions that he's given us instead of making it our own way. And I, and I guess what I'm trying to get across is that we're making a house of idolatry things we have created with our own hands, doing it our own way, but trying to still do it unto God. We're having online ministries, and we've got a whole edifice of structure that has separated us 
from that intimate connection with our word, physical word, and Bibles in our hands, and God, and, has, and is separating us from each other such that community is getting fractured because we don't need each other anymore because we feel like we're connected be, just because we see each other on Facebook or on a YouTube channel or a streaming Zoom uh, uh, message that you can watch. Uh, you know, I've got a client that they go to church, air quotes if you're listening to this, on Thursday nights, but it's digitally streamed. So they go to a building and watch a stream of a pre-recorded message that the guy records whenever, whenever, I think on Thursdays. I think he actually, maybe they watch the live one. I'm not sure. But anyways, but then on Sundays, it's just, you just sit in front of, it's like going to the freaking movie theater and you watch it. There's no relationship. There's no interaction. When I'm speaking to you, I'm seeing your, you. I have to talk to you afterwards. You could, if I say something offensive, get up and hit me. You know, there's, there's that physical connection that has to be there that can only happen in community. And when that is taken away, which is what the devil wants, when he can separate Israel and scatter the sheep, it's just easy to pick us off. You know, when there's a whole bunch of sheep all there together, you know, if they all decide to trample the one guy with the gun, well, you know, a couple of them will get shot, but they'll still win. But if they're all spread out, you know, uh, anesthetized in their own digital world, it's just easy to shoot us. Or even better, just keep you anesthetized and fat until you're useful for whatever you want. And that's what's happening to us. And so, they, so we need to be careful about building what house we're building. You know, we need to make sure we're building God's household. Because what he says here, they've defiled my holy name by their abominations that they have committed. So these abominations, it's always, almost always in reference to their behavior and or the idols, the behavior in relation to the idols that they build or the idols that they build themselves. And like I talked about in that last message, if you follow that through, it's, it's these things and it's these behaviors and these thoughts and these ideas that the Israel gets involved in from the nations which are designed to ensnare, entangle, and kill you. Like I talked about when in the garden, in the garden, the devil didn't go in there, you know, trying to shoot Adam and Eve. What did he do? He went in there with words to play to their own weaknesses. And so these weaknesses are innate in us. All right. So he chastises them for building their own house. And this is a structure for the worship of idols. This is what happens. So, um... Okay, just making sure I'm covering everything that I write down because I write stuff down and I'll never read it. Oh, and then, yeah, so idols are the form of evil thoughts. So the temple or the tabernacle represents the function of God. This is, I, I believe, really important. That's why God doesn't ever give us an idol or an image, right? He gives us a structure uh, and even now, it's like, uh, let me finish my thought. He gives us a structure that explains function because all, God's all about behavior. Idols are the form. It is a thing that represents and is the evil thoughts and intents of false gods and war, whatever is inside man, man's wicked dark heart. 
and so, um, anyway, I forgot where my train of thought was going. <laughs> All right, let's keep going here. So 43, still in chapter 40 feet, uh, verse 11. Oh, yeah, this is good. So 11. And, oh, well, let's back up to 10. Thou son of man, show the house to the house of Israel, that they may be ashamed of their iniquities, and let them measure the pattern. So he wants them to, to see the house, and for, for some reason... And I, I don't know if I can articulate it, but I can feel it in my heart. Like, they're seen, and even us just reading the form of this house should make us ashamed of our iniquities. And I think it's just because the very explanation of it represents God and His presence, which is purity. <coughs> and if you're honest with yourself, you just automatically, I do, think of all my shortcomings. <laughs> and so you should be ashamed of your iniquities. 11. And... This is important. And if they be ashamed of all that they have done, show them the form of the house and the fashion thereof and the going up. So I find it interesting that he goes through all the explanation of the house and all the dimensions and the measurements, but it's not until their people are ashamed of what they've done that the form of the house is shown. Something, it's, it's like the blueprints. So I could... A builder of a, this house, for instance, that we're sitting in, he could write down the measurement of every piece. of, of But you wouldn't know how to put it all together or to build it unless you get the blueprints, which explain the form of the house. It gives life to the house. It's uh, explaining the very essence of it. And so I don't think that we're going to, until the time of the end will come, until... Israel collectively is ashamed of their iniquities, which is the trespassing of his laws and his ways and what, what God wants us to do. You know, and, and you have to be ashamed. There's no shame in the religious world today. We don't have any shame. All we have is arrogancy and pride. And uh, again, these are representations of the, again, this digital culture that what? It's all about what did Satan play to? Me, us, myself, uh, you know, it, it's all, it's all self-focused and it's all used uh, to this misinformation of the devil in the digital technological world mostly is all, and it's not all bad, but it, it, it preys on the weaknesses of our pride and our selfishness and our, um, lack of shame. And so... Whereas the Bible is, it wants, you know, humility, uh, love, you know, kindness, community, connection, you know, all these, these things that are in a small, organic, physical community with a central place of worship. Even as we were talking about, you know, when the pilgrims first came over, uh, William Bradford was upset that they were that certain people were starting to move outside of the central community because he knew if they moved outside of that central community, there would be a breakdown in the conduct of their lives, you know, because there's not accountability and responsibility. So we as God's people need to be have wisdom and discernment. We're going to read a little bit about that with Daniel. So. 
the prerequisite for God to show the people the form of the new temple is that they had to be ashamed of all they had done, of their idols and the false house of worship that we helped build. Because God needs holiness, set-apartness uh, for him to, to dwell. Okay, now quickly, let's go to 44. Um, and we're going to read in verse verse 10 uh, to 15. Talking about uh, the Levites. Oh, actually, I wanted to back up verse 7 of 44. Um, it says, in that, uh, so he's talking to the rebellious house. And he says, in that, uh, let's back up to six. And thou shalt say to the rebellious, even to the house of Israel, thus saith the Lord Yehovah, O ye house of Israel, let it suffice you of all your abominations. In other words, cut it out. In that ye have brought into my sanctuary strangers, uncircumcised of heart and uncircumcised of flesh, to be in the sanctuary, to, to pollute it, even my house, when ye offer bread and the fat of the blood, and they have broken my covenant because of all your abominations. So, You've got strangers in the household of God. And I think we've again done the same thing in our own hearts, lives, communities, congregations, churches. We've brought strange foreign matter teachings and things into our own lives and into our own communities that God never meant to be there. And it's plaguing us. And it's again attached to all these abominations and the idolatry. And part of that problem is because of the Levites and the priests. And we're going to read about that. God... The, the Levites suffer basically permanently because of that. Um, so let's go into... Uh, so 44 verse 10. And the Levites that are gone away far from me, when Israel went astray, which went astray from, the, from me after their idols, they shall even bear their iniquity. Yet they shall be ministers in my sanctuary, having charge at the gates of the house and ministering to the house. They shall slay the burnt offerings and the sacrifice for the people, and they shall stand before them to minister unto them. Because they ministered unto them before their idols and caused the house of Israel to fall into iniquities, therefore have I lifted up my hand against them, saith the Lord Yehovah, and they shall bear their iniquity. And they shall not come near unto me to do the office of the priest unto me, nor to come near to any of my holy things in the most holy place, but they shall bear their shame and their abominations what they have committed. So you have these Levites who uh, went astray from me after their idols when they were, uh, because they ministered unto them before their idols and caused the house of Israel to fall into their iniquity. So they were involved in, again, I have a hard time to articulate this, but you have the people of God who are supposed to be serving God and the Levites who are supposed to be leading them in that, but instead of leading them in the proper manner, they lead them in idolatry saying they're serving God, basically. And that's exactly what happened with the golden calf, right? He said, we'll build, a, we don't know what happened to Moses. Let's build this golden calf. Aaron builds a golden calf. And then he says, tomorrow is a feast or a festival unto Yehovah, right? So they're going to serve the golden calf, idolatry, the images of the foreign gods, but they're going to serve God doing that. And so a lot of people say, well, you know, I don't really have to worry about what the Bible says. It's what's in my heart that matters. But we know that what's in our heart is wicked and evil, and it's expressed in these idols, images, the world that we live in, and we're serving God according to those systems instead of what the Bible has taught us. And the Levites got engaged in this, and they bear their shame because of this. Um, 
15. Finish up here. But the priests, the Levites, the sons of Zadok, that kept the charge of my sanctuary, when the children of Israel went astray from me, they shall come near to minister unto me, and they shall stand before me to offer unto me the fat and the blood, saith the Lord Yehovah. They shall enter into my sanctuary, and they shall come near to my table to minister to me, and they shall keep my charge. So they're going to go in because they didn't entangle the people in idolatry and mixed worship and mixed service uh, to God. And so, I don't know, you know, for me, it's been a convicting thing to read about all this because, you know, we all know the deep, dark secrets of our own life and how we tend to mix up our own service and worship of God, um, you know, because the whole goal of the devil is to keep us away from the Word of God. And so whatever you can use, our own weaknesses, technology, uh, our weakness of our minds to, to keep us away from the Word of God is what he's going to try to do. All right, so... Uh, ba -ba -ba. Ba -dum -ba. Okay. So now, let's finish up with um, what I want to talk about. Let's go to J Daniel ch chapter 2. So, you know, what do we do about this all, you know, the idols in our lives? Basically, substitute idols in our lives with anything that keeps us from being in our Bibles and serving the Word of God and perceiving the world around us according to His Word. Well, I think like David talks about, we need to have wisdom and understanding. And um, so, let's see here. So, chapter 2 of Daniel, verse... Uh, na, na, na. Oh, let's, let's back up and start in Daniel chapter 2, verse 19. So it says, Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in the night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changeth the times and the season. He removeth kings, setteth up kings. He, this is where I want to focus. He giveth, them, giveth wisdom unto the wise, and knowledge to them that know understanding, who revealeth the deep and dark deep and secret things and and he knoweth what is in the darkness and light dwelleth with him and then he goes on thanks thanks god who gives gives wisdom and light so but what i want to focus on he giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge unto them that know understanding well we know that the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom and to have knowledge and to know it's not worldly knowledge like the tall tree of the knowledge of good and evil that the devil wants us to have it's the tree of life where true knowledge and that sense of intimacy and relationship comes from where there's real connection and you actually know that person i can know i could know all the facts about my wife that could possibly be known but but it takes time intimacy and relationship to really know who someone is and, and in then I can have the wisdom to know how to build a strong relationship in there. So it comes through this wisdom and knowledge that God wants us to, to have. And then I find it really interesting in 22 that he says, He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness and 
the light dwelleth with him. So I find that interesting. He reveals this deep and dark secret things. Not all of them are meant for us to know, but he does. And then I find, I like this part. He knoweth what is in the darkness and in the light and, and the light dwells with him. So God know, cause I think that how do we walk in this world, which is, it's a dark place. Well, we need to know the darkness. We need to know what's in the darkness, but that's not where we dwell. That's not what inhabits us. That's not what influences and controls and guides and directs and informs us. What informs us is light that dwells with God. So light dwells with him, but he knows what's in the darkness. And that's why, because he knows it's like the father, I know what's in the deep, dark, evil world, but light dwells with me. Wisdom dwells with me. And that's what I want to bestow to my children so that they don't have to go down into the darkness, into the dark places, into the depths of the world. But they do need to know what's in there. He knoweth what is in the darkness. Because we can't be ignorant and we can't shelter our children and we can't shelter ourselves from everything that's in the world. We need to have knowledge. But we need to dwell in the information, the light that comes from God that He gives us. That's why, again, I think it's so important that where wisdom comes from and where knowledge comes from and where relationship comes from and what should animate everything we do needs to be first and foremost from the word of God, not where the darkness is, which is from man's heart and from the devil and the manifestations of that and the works of the hands that emanate from those heart thoughts is these devices of the wicked that are designed to entrap and ensnare us. So it's a dangerous place to dwell. You don't want to dwell in the darkness. You need to know what's there, but we don't dwell there we don't live there. We don't get our information from there. We get our information from the Word of God. So hopefully that made some sense. And hopefully that was a blessing. And uh, so if I if I just recapped real quickly, we need to be about the business of building God's house according to His way, which is shown forth from His Word, not in building our own house. And... Uh, And then we need to dwell in light, but know what is in the darkness. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, thank you for your word. Thank you for this day and uh, these books that you've given us and all the, uh, the wisdom that's in them. Help us just to be honest with ourselves and our own lives, to uh, spend the time in it, to be transformed, and to know how to live, what to do, to be a light in the world, to spread forth your word and uh, grow healthy healthy communities, healthy families, uh, and that you would build up your house, Father, your, your body of Israel, and that we would be more united around your word and uh, not thrown about by all kinds of foreign information that gets brought in. So I just thank you for the Shabbat, and uh, give us a good rest of Shabbat. In Yeshua's name I pray. Amen. Mighty warriors arise, yeah. Freedom does nigh only away. But soon is the day when we see your face.
on the mount of your grace and zeal.